Hello, everyone. On this podcast, Dean Eastman and I sit down along with a variety of business professionals to talk about all things business. Whether this is your lunch, study break, walk to class, or on your drive to work, we are happy you are listening. Welcome to what we consider the buzz on business. Today, we have one of the best people I've met in the last five years, Dr. Matt Bowler, my MBA director. What? What? He's great. Wow. wow. She said one of. Oh, one of. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So Dr. Bowler. Alexis. You told me that you've known Dean Eastman for a while. A minute. Yeah. Yes. How long? When? You remember where we met? Uh, Well, you were interviewing for the job, weren't you? Yeah. Well, we met in Hawaii. Oh, that's right. It was a conference in Hawaii. Conference in Hawaii. Um, I met Mark Gavin and then he introduced me to you and Matt Gilly. That's um, right. Two people who are no longer here. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I'm, the, right. I'm the lone survivor. <laughs> that's I mean, right. you and me. Right. Um, but I remember it distinctly because I got sick on that trip and my rental car got stolen while we were at the beach. So wow, uh, talk about monumental. What year was this? Uh, 2005. If I remember, I was an unseasonably warm Hawaii. It's my only Hawaii. And I just remember meeting you and my car getting stolen. I'm sure there's no coincidence there. I had nothing to do with the thievery. I just want to go on the record. Oh, wait, that's awesome. So where are you from? And like, where did it begin before interviewing the job? Where did you start your major undergrad? Where'd you get that? Okay, all so this at? Originally from Springfield, Missouri, and uh, somewhat of a first generation uh, college student and got my undergrad and my MBA from what's now Missouri State. I have degrees on my wall from a school that no longer exists called Southwest Missouri State. And then I worked in Guatemala for a a year with a medical relief and missions organization and then got my PhD at Kentucky and then was on faculty at North Texas for four years. And a little over three years into that was when I met Dean Eastman, um, otherwise back then known as department chair Eastman. Right. You just kind of started about then, right? Yeah, I had, uh, that's true. I probably had only been department maybe a year or so. Time flies. Yeah. If you'd had more experience, you might've been able to see past me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and you met your wife and everything throughout all that, right? Yeah. Well, we were high school sweethearts and we dated off and on, uh, took some breaks and, uh, got married while we were in grad school. Uh, she was at Mizzou and I was at Kentucky. Um, and then being from Springfield, when I talked to um, Mark Gavin and Dr. Eastman at the time, it was, uh, I was, we were looking at getting closer to Springfield, Missouri, um, closer to our families. So moved up here in 2006. Oh, so been here wow. ever since. It's home. Well, good. Good. All right. So next question, what made you want to get your MBA? My MBA? Um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. I was uh, finishing my undergrad degree. And the department chair at Missouri State brought me into his office and he said, hey, I want to talk to you about a couple of opportunities. And the first opportunity said, um, he gave me this piece of paper. It was a job listing and it was for the CIA. And they had a, they had a program with the CIA and I read through it and it sounded like all this cool stuff you get to do, right? And you get to the bottom of the page and the last thing on the page is, willingness to assume anonymity in the regular world. Like you have to say bye to your family and you only get to see them on these like scheduled visits and weird things like that occasionally. And 
I was like, yeah, I'm not quite ready for that. What's the next thing? And he's like, well, we'd like for you to get your MBA and stick around and be a grad assistant. So like you, yeah, right? grad assistant, <laughs> stuck around and I was a grad assistant um, and, and got my MBA in my fifth year and the rest is history. Now I'm the MBA director. Actually, one of my uh, friends, oh, is my friend, but former faculty member here is Steve Thomas. Yeah, I actually worked for Steve. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, so that's what uh, I actually checked you out with him before we hired you, since I knew Stevie, Stevie T, as we call him. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, because he, he was faculty here. Yeah, he was faculty here. Uh, I met him. Uh, he was here about a year or two with I was here. Then he went. He was from Springfield as well. So he went home uh, to what was then Southwest Missouri State, but not Missouri State. Yeah, and you guys for years did a fishing trip yeah, together, Yeah, we right? went fishing in northern Arkansas, the deliverance tour, as we called it. For, uh, <laughs> we did that for about three or four, maybe even about five years. Great know? guy. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, enjoyed working for him. And I, well, that was he was one of um, sort of the people that inspired me to get my Ph.D. because uh, he was such a cool guy and had, you know, such a cool lifestyle, right? I was like... I. I think I want what he's got. He's doing, right? yeah. I'll, I'll have what he's having. Yeah, rock band. He, uh, yeah. yeah, he was. I'm uh, not that cool. <laughs> no, I, I'm not either. Vicariously, I was. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. Uh, yeah, I think he may have retired. I'm not sure. Last time I talked with him. So my question is now: Do you think it's still relevant to get your MBA from Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why? Um, I think for lots of, it's it's relevant at lots of different times in your career, right? For a lot of us, it's the right thing to do as you're graduating. Um, I think it gives a lot of people that extra um, business savvy before they go out into the work world, especially those, I mean, it's great for our business students and I, and I encourage the business students if to, to focus on a new area, if they come into the MBA program, if they're like a marketing student, yeah, go, if you're a marketing student, go do something in finance or management or, or something along those lines. But it's really, really valuable for our non-business students that come in, uh, engineering students, industrial engineering, College of Arts and Sciences, because they take that technical um, degree that they have and they add the business savvy to it. Um, and, and that gives them a leg up when they get out into industry. And same thing happens um, with our part-time and our online programs. We get a lot of people who are not business majors, um, who have engineering backgrounds or industrial engineering or uh, other technical degrees, and they come get that business degree added onto that so that they can understand the bigger picture of the, the company they work for or starting their own business or whatever it happens to be. Because a lot of times what we find is people with technical degrees, they see lots of cool things that they're doing, but then top management is like, yeah, but if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, right? So you have to see how those ideas and those concepts turn into revenue streams for your, for your organization. Yeah. And I think, you know, gosh, I think I was MBA director 18 years ago. Oof. You know, back then it was a full two year program, 50 hours. Uh, talk a little bit about how it's evolved and, and why it's evolved to what it is now. Yeah. So the, the program is streamlined um, as you and I worked on part of that, right? So when you were MBA director and I came in to teach in the MBA program, it was 50, 52, somewhere in that range. It then went down to 45 at some point. And it's the market, right, has driven that um, largely. And we've streamlined that education because it, an MBA, um, we do have options and, and certificates that go along with it. But in general, an MBA is a generalist degree right? It's not an accounting master's. It's not a finance master's. You're training people to be able to understand what accountants and 
um, financial planners and things like that present to them, but they're not going to go produce accounting reports generally, right? So we have streamlined it down to a 36-hour program for the full-time program, um, and, and that's about where the market is at. And we pair that with a number of certificates, which there's a lot of confusion about what's a certificate, what's an option, what's a concentration. The certificates are standalone programs that you can earn most of that certificate within your electives of your MBA. So if you do a certificate in human resource management or uh, finance or pick whatever area you want to go into, you get a diploma for that certificate that goes on your wall as well as your MBA. So it's a really streamlined and efficient way to specialize while you're getting your MBA. We also have some dual degree programs that ironically are the dual degree is less hours than just the MBA used to be um, back in the day, right? Back, back when we had to walk uphill to school both ways. <laughs> so the snow. We've got a dual degree in healthcare administration that's available online or in Tulsa um, and, and can be done from Stillwater doing the healthcare administration master's part online. And um, the Tulsa program's different hours in Stillwater, correct? In the online, right? Uh, it, online and Tulsa for people with work experience, it's a 33-hour program. So it's even more efficient. Yeah. Um, and that online program, uh, we, we can mention, I think, is uh, recently ranked 28th in the nation. So yeah, top 30 by U.S. News and World Report, something we've been working hard on. Uh, we're proud to talk about. Um, and and it's an important thing to have that brand when you go out. People are like, why an OSU MBA? And I was like, because no matter where you go, people know when you're talking about Oklahoma State, right? There are other schools where you can get an MBA, but you don't want to, I, I tell people, you don't want to have to explain where your MBA is from, right? You want people to just recognize that brand. I was talking to one of our undergraduate alums uh, from Dallas, and she's in the online MBA program. And she was amazed that, all of her classmates are from you know, Detroit, Florida, California. None of them are OSU uh, majors at all. So she's enjoyed schooling them on the traditions and, and things like that. But when she asked them, they did a search and were looking for high quality, affordable programs. And we popped up more uh, than anybody else. Ours is the most affordable program, I think, at, for sure in the top 30, but I also think in the top 50 or top 100. We have a very affordable MBA program, but as you were saying, it's, it's spread across the country. And when I do Zoom meetings with my students, I have these optional Zoom meetings every week. And most of the class shows up because that's where a lot of the, the interaction happens, right? It makes it like a real class. And the first thing I have everybody do is say either on the Zoom or through the little text chat where they're checking in from. And it really gives you good context to show that people from, they're from across the country. Um, and even outside the country as well, we get some students from Japan, we get some military students who are in Korea or the Middle East, we get some folks from Europe, and I have to set those times up for those Zoom meetings where it'll be a time when people can, can make that time. Now, occasionally I have the military student who's getting up at 3.30 or 4.30 in the morning to, to make those, and they never complain, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty tough. You mentioned you have students, so what classes do you teach? I've had you for a couple like individual and organizational behavior and leadership challenges. Are there other, oh, case consulting? Yeah, I teach a case consulting class in the full-time program, um, which is a blast, uh, that, that class. I learned so much in that class. Oh, really? Yes. And what'd you learn? That, 
Well, I've learned how to present okay. a lot better. I've, I can talk to a lot of people. Doesn't matter, but I learned my number is five. If I go above five people, like that I'm talking to, I get really nervous, but your case consulting class helped me present and be a better presenter. And it doesn't matter if I know all the material, but if it, I'm able to, to talk to people and get it through their heads, like the what's wrong, here are the objectives and what we want to achieve, here are the pros and cons of it, et cetera, et cetera. So I loved your class. Yeah. It's fun because when you're teaching, you see all the students sitting out in the chairs and you don't know their story or what, what it would be like to see them present. And so that class is all students presenting, right? right? Yes. And every so, week. <laughs> yeah. Every week. Well, yeah. and you, you do a video presentation every week and then you don't know, right? The old Robert Dooley model of you don't know if walking into class, whether you're going to be the one presenting out up front. And then the, everybody gets feedback from the other students on how they present in real time because we use that app and and students rank you and and there's a winner each week of the people who present live and they get to go to lunch the next week. Yeah, so. Taylor's or um, Ranchers Club. Ranchers, yes. Yeah, so it's good it's incentive. A, it's a lot of fun and and I don't have to teach a lot, so that makes it even <laughs> more fun. No, and I teach the individual and organizational behavior class, which. Um, uh, Dr. Charter and I argue as to whether that or the marketing class should be first in the curriculum. Um, of course, he's a marketing person and I'm management person. And that's the class you taught in the program as well, yep. right? Years ago. Yep. Years ago. Yeah. We have very parallel careers. I was right? about to say. And actually, my dissertation was somewhat based on some of his research. Look at you. Eastman 94. Oh, you were the one. That's, that's why I, I was trying to remember who that person was. I had to use my research. Uh, yeah. That and then leadership challenges. Are there, leadership challenges. Are there any others? Uh, right now, I think that's it. Any in the past? Like, did you te ever teach undergrad classes too? I did. I taught the, the individual org behavior class undergrad as well. So I used to teach more human resource management classes, um, but don't have time for that with my current schedule. So did you ever teach courses, Dean Eastman? Oh yeah. Man, <laughs> okay, what, what are you talking about? What I, courses did you teach? I taught a lot. I, I taught uh, the first management course undergrad, taught HR, taught OB. I taught oh yeah, I taught some principles, the first the intro class as well. I, I forgot did, about uh, that. God, what else? Man, I teach, uh, I, then I taught the MBA program. I taught same class Matt did. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to teach a leadership class as well, the undergrad, the honors. <laughs> do you miss teaching? I do. Well, I tell people I really miss teaching. I do not miss grading. I tell people that grading is the worst part of our job. If period. I could, yeah, if I could just teach and interact and not have to worry about that crap, I, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Did you not have TAs and GAs to do that for uh, you? Not so much, but still, there was a lot of stuff you had to do personally, and then it's just the whole, you know, the pressure and haggling around. You know, I, I when I took the principal's course, I was teaching three to five hundred students a semester. So yeah, back then I taught nine hours a semester and uh, that, was, that was a lot of people with emails. I've been blessed. I've got some really great TAs to help me with those emails and things like that. And I do. Over the, yeah, I've had a number of really, really good uh, TAs which help a lot, but there's only so much you can pawn off on them. So you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, the, the changes that have occurred in the MBA program. And, uh, you know, again, I, I compliment you and Dr. Shard and others to really keep it evolving with the market. What do you see as you look forward in your crystal ball? Do you think it will evolve or what big changes do you see for MBA programs in general? Hmm. That's a good question. One I wish I would have had a head at time. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of it, Matt, so I thought I'd just ask. Well, you know, what's funny, um, I, I see more hybrid aspects. People looked at me a little funny when I proposed the hybrid program for Tulsa. And then 
uh, COVID came along and then it was like, wait, that's not such a bad idea. How do we do that? And, and I think, I don't think that takes away from the classroom, but I think what it does is it adds those additional aspects to courses, right? There's a, so many different models of what hybrid means um, out there in the market. To some people, that means like weekend uh, residencies. To others, that means more like we do it where you meet every few weeks. To some, it's meeting once a week and some content outside the classroom. You know, Zoom has become the Kleenex term for teleconferencing, right? For video conferencing. And, and I think that's going to be a lot of it. I think these modular degrees, um, which we also have, right? The certificates um, embedded in your, in your programs. Because for a long time, MBAs had lots of different options in them. Then many schools went down to just a general MBA. They didn't have any certificates or options or things like that. And then it's come back to where education, uh, higher education is becoming much more modular in that you take these different sub-degrees and put them together to make a bigger degree. So dual degrees, um, certificates, all those things that you can pair together. What about, you know, at the undergraduate level, OSU and others because of COVID have paused standardized tests. You know, I think there's a trend that, that they're not going to come back requirement that you, you take it. Obviously, the GMAT's a big part and has been of entrance into MBA programs. What do you see? I mean, again, one big reason is because of the rankings, right? The GMAT still is a prominent piece uh, of a lot of the rankings. Uh, how do you think that's going to evolve? Uh, going They're forward? having to evolve their test to try to stay relevant. Um, I, you know, I got to be careful what I say here. Uh, <laughs> we, we require the GMAT for our working professionals will occasionally uh, waive that. Um, and that's based on GPA and work experience and things like that for a full-time program. That's one of our measures for getting a graduate assistantship. So, and, and we require in the full-time program. They were very resistant to going to online exams. There has always been this pressure to keep the GMAT around or the GRE, but more and more schools are waiving it. And so it's becoming more of a competitive issue to say school, you know, at great applicants will say, well, this school is going to waive it for me. And so that that's pressure. Um, they developed an executive GMAT, which is designed more for working professionals. But that's not included in the rankings and accreditation things. So it's like, well, you can't really have somebody take that and it still count into your rankings and accreditation. So it's they're fighting to stay relevant. And I don't know exactly where that's going to end up. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of revenue and and organizations tied to that. Right. Oh, no. I, at the undergrad level, the ACT and SAT folks have lost their shirts. <laughs> the yeah. last couple, the revenues are really declined. And I, I just I don't think that trend is going to change. I don't think even if the pandemic's behind us, I don't think a lot of schools are going to go back no. to full board. And there, there are schools that can afford to not bring it back and not get hit on the rankings that hard. And so they're going to lead the way with it. The, the challenging part is that um, we have had a number of students who were top-notch students in the undergraduate program, struggled on the GMAT. We let them into the program and they ended up being pillars of our program, right? So it's really, um, it's, it's, it's something that we have to balance a lot when we're looking, you know, we take a holistic approach to admissions and I don't want to miss a good student or a great student 
just because they struggled on this standardized exam. And what I tell my team, and I've got, you know, our team in place that I think is great, Rodrigo Tello and Emily Murphy, um, help, you know, helping with the program. And Rodrigo is amazing. I tell them when we're looking at applicants for the program, I'm not looking for great students. I'm looking for great alumni that are going to be great alumni, 5, 10, 15 years that would be carrying the OSU MBA banner long into the future. So that's, that's, what we, that, that's a long answer to your question, but I guess that's why we're oh, here. No, right? I think it's, it, is, it is an ongoing discussion. And, uh, you know, the predictability of the GMAT is not perfect. Uh, and I remember that when I was director too, it was, it was frustrating at times because you knew uh, certain people would do well, but because of the pressures that, for rankings and that, you, that you had to turn down some people who you know would have done well. Well, and it's hard too because we've got with our four plus one program, which I think we need to talk about some, is you've got juniors in college taking the GMAT, right? Who are still aren't done with their undergraduate academic program. And they're taking the GMAT to get into our four plus one program that starts during their senior year. They take like a, two classes at a time, right? Or one class at a time if they want to? They take up to 10 hours in their senior year. So basically two a semester, but one semester they'll take two three-hour classes. So they'll get six hours that semester. The other semester they'll take a three-hour class and our PD class, professional development class that happens during that semester. The beauty of that program, which we have agreements with all of the undergraduate business programs, as well as College of Arts and Sciences, engineering, industrial engineering, where you start that program your senior year, you take 10 hours of MBA credits and they're billed at undergraduate tuition rates and they apply to your undergraduate degree and your MBA. And so it's a super efficient and inexpensive way to get your MBA. You get done and you've only got 26 hours left. Which you could do in a year. You do it in a year. Yeah. That's why it's a four plus one. Mm. So great so marketing. Math. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I was like, I was, just, I was like, wait, I could do that in <laughs> yeah. two semesters. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys were talking about the GMAT, do you think it's a good way to measure someone's success? You know, it measures some potential, but I've always had the problem. There's stuff in the GMAT that you haven't seen since high school. Right. Some algebra, some other things. I mean, I, and I always told when I was director, I'd tell kids, you know, it's not an intelligence test. You know, it isn't. You need to go back and study stuff you probably have not looked at. Well, and we and that's we, my problem. I, I, you don't really need some of that stuff in the MBA program. Yeah. And I tell people that it, it's not an intelligence test and there's a lot of anxiety about it. Right. And we have two free practice tests on our webpage, links to them, as well as a practice quiz. I tell them, go take the quiz and that'll let you kind of know where you're at. And then go take one of those practice exams because I tell people it's like when my kids were in junior high and they brought me their math homework, you know, my first major in college was engineering. I had a lot of math, but I don't remember it at all. I said, give me 15 minutes and YouTube, right? And I'll be back up to speed to help them with their math. But when I first, if you go just take the GMAT and you're- Without studying or anything. Without studying. Yeah. And, you know, that sine, cosine, and tangent comes on there and you're like, oh, I know I've seen this, but where? But if you know it's coming, if you take the practice quiz, take practice exams, Meridian Tech has a prep course. It's only like a hundred bucks, right? And it's online. I mean, those prep courses can be $1,500. So go take the quiz, take one of the tests, then decide if you need to go do prep, go do prep, come back and take that other practice exam. And then 
you'll be ready for the exam. Uh, but it, it is hard because when you've got, you know, you're thinking of it from a, an undergrad perspective, right? You've been, you may have had college algebra a couple of years ago. Think about the 35 or 40 or 45 year old working professional who wants to come back and get their MBA. There's a lot of anxiety. And I don't think the anxiety is as much about the test as, and this would be for me and probably for you too, Ken, I, I would be nervous about going and taking it and finding out I get a 200, right? <laughs> I took it once in my life and I, I'm just going to ride off in the sunset with that. Yeah, so, uh, too. <laughs> yep, so it got me into my MBA and got me into my PhD. And, yeah, it did what it needed that to matters. do. Yeah. That, was, yeah. that was it. But yeah, so I think that's going to be, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be an ongoing point of concern and I, I hope I uh, you know I hope that it will evolve that the ranking agencies give us some latitude because you're right there, there's certain schools that can afford to not do it because they can beef it up on other aspects but uh, uh, for most schools well, like us it's going to be hard to do without it being highly ranked but not the highest ranked versus those folks who are not ranked and don't have to worry about it, it puts us in sort of a weird position, right? We, we, we still have to think about it. People on either end of that spectrum, they just write it off um, and move on. There, but there's, whole, there's a whole organization, a company, uh, uh, a conference every year, multiple conferences put on by the organization that, that has the GMAT. Is that one thing you would change about being director, like the application process or like thinking about taking into consideration the GMAT or are there any other things that you would? I think the first thing I would change would be, I need 36 hours in a day instead of 24 <laughs> <laughs> or two, two mats, right? I need another mat. Um, no, I, well, when I came into the job, I think Ken may rem remember this conversation in that room. I said, I got to have the ability to, in some situations, wave GMATs because there's just people who won't take it. I mean, and, and we have people in the online program who work in the Pentagon or have an MD, right? And I'm not going to make somebody who works in the Pentagon and has done that for 30 years and went to, you know, West Point or Annapolis or the Air Force Academy. Um, it, as long as they can show me that they're, they were good students and they have that work experience, I'm not going to lose them to an argument over the GMAT. Um, because I, again, I want those great alumni in the program. Um, what would I change about the program? Now, we can talk about that later. I can think more about it. Um, what do you think has changed from like when you were a director versus when you're a director? Like have anything oh, besides credit courses and everything and yeah, campus I think as a the, whole? Uh, just the focus, the streamlining, the efficiency. I mean, I, that has been a huge change and a needed one. I think that, you know, 50 hours was way too much, right, for, for the average human Yeah, being. would that take them like, what, three, two, two years, years two, Sometimes three Sometimes two and a half, uh, depending on, you know, things didn't go well in the semester. But so, no, I, it was, it would it, it was it was too much, but that was the norm at the time. I mean, there were some they were even longer than hours. I mean, it was it was insane. Sixty, seventy hours, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the trade off is with that. When you were MBA director, it was the full time program, right? Was the focus. Now it was bigger when I started. Was the Tulsa program also? Well, it was there. It was there, but it wasn't. Well, before online, it grew to be pretty good size. Yeah. Right? When, when I started in 2006, I would have 45 or 50 students in my fall class and 35 in the spring. Yeah. Even on the, the on campus program, I had 75 students yeah. in a class. 
Yeah, it was were, much bigger. Because we, yeah, we were running much bigger numbers. And then online was really, well, we did it in compressed video. So we had certain corporate sites like Bartlesville and others. So it was really small. Uh, but then once technology accelerated, then the online really became uh, very dominant. Uh, and then you saw a lot the part-time, the full-time programs sort of across the country. Uh, there was a number of prominent schools. University of Iowa got rid of their online. Yeah. Uh, their fa- no, their we're very lucky to still have one. Yeah. And it actually, I mean, I, when I became dean, I posed that to, uh, I said, maybe we should get rid of our full-time program. We were down to, what, 10, 12, 15 students. Uh, and there, there was a trend to get rid of it. And that's when the alums kind of rose up and got involved and, and really helped us uh, kind of figure out a future. The advisory board alums really kind of helped save the program. Um, and we have a great advisory board uh, that, that gives me support and helps me with direction and keeps me on task and, and focus on new Very things. Very passionate about the program. And yeah, I didn't know people cared that much. But once you said that, I said, may it be known that we might shut this down. They really, really got active, got involved. They picketed outside his house. <laughs> yeah, that's no. right. So it was great. And again, it's, I think it's a lot more robust now. And I think that, so the difference would be when he was MBA director, and correct me if I'm wrong, your hours and time and focus was on the full-time program and being involved in that and doing things on campus, whereas mine is more, I've got three programs, which is full-time, Tulsa, and online, and sort of moving all these shells around and keeping everything, the balance there, um, and promoting things. How do you balance it? I don't. Okay. Uh, yeah, I usually crash and burn. Um, hey, it's still alive. The program's still running. Yeah, no, we're doing great. Yeah. It's growing. It, it, yeah. And, and that, that's been the challenge for me, and, and I think Ken understands this, is that we, we wanted to grow the program, but not at the risk of the rankings. And so if you think of a, a – I used to play Sim City as a kid, or what was the one where it had like a theme park? Then Was that Sim oh, City? Oh, yeah. That's right. They had – yeah, I remember that Like one. you wanted to build it, but you couldn't build it so fast that you run out of money. Right. So you wanted people to have a little bit of a line because at the rides, because it makes it cool if you have to wait in line a little bit, but you'd want the lines really long. So at the same time, we're trying to build the, the volume of the program while maintaining the quality. And I think we've done that. I mean, we're, we broke the 450 student mark this semester, uh, which we, we were down below 300 at one point, And the rankings are getting better. And I, I have high hopes for full time and part time rankings that will come out in another couple of months. So, well, thanks, Matt. We appreciate you being here. It's been a little time. Uh, Alexis, uh, number two down. We're still auditioning you. I, I know last time I said you passed the audition, you never passed the audition. So we just, we're just going to keep trial and right. Uh, we keep your anxiety, keep up. you on your anxieties know, like, up, keep you on your toes. You know, we don't need to get too comfortable or anything like that. So oh, don't worry. That will not happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. You can, yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We uh, look forward to seeing you next time on The Buzz on Business.